0: All right now, the rules and regulations have been activated. You know what to do. Hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the pay-per-view button, and don't forget, and you all know this, if Jason is your favorite sportscaster of the year, hit that five-star button. If he's the biggest sportscaster you've ever seen, hit that five-star button, okay? Listen here, Jason's that type of guy, he doesn't come to your house to eat, he comes to your house to purge. So please, before he does that, give him a five star review before he ends up at your doorstep, all right? Now, (laughs) having said all of that, we need to address the pink elephant in the room. And of course, by that I'm talking about this Kyle Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs Kuzma. Now this dude played for the Wizards I saw him in an interview not too long ago, he's whining, talking about, I don't know why LeBron couldn't treat me like a man. Really? You in between you and Dwight Howard? It seems as if there wasn't enough balls to go around on the court, if you know what I mean. Watch this little ball grab by Dwight Howard. Take a look now. Okay, he walking. Ah. You know what, man, if you ask ask me, I think the NBA stands for the New Black Man's America. Hey, man, I'm just telling y'all, this right here is what R. Kelly was talking about when he said, down low, down low, all right? Now, let me tell you something. Welcome to Fearless. I'm your thrill, Sergeant Uncle Jimmy. And my job is just simply to make sure everybody's staying groovy before we get to the holidays. And as we get ready for the holidays over there, that's my big guy. He's the big sexy. But after this weekend, they're going to call him the big messy. Do you think he's big now? <laughs> you wait till you see him on Monday. Last year at this time, a lot of y'all don't know it. My guy had to get a jaw replacement. But now he's got them titanium rods, them titanium plates in his jaw. We're looking forward to see what he can do. All right, man, listen here. Today's show's gonna be great. You know how Jason tells you it's the best of all times. We're heading over to our overseas affiliate, Steve Kim. He's gonna be in here, he's gonna drop some knowledge about the NFL and some college football. And, and, and he's gonna be taking, we're also gonna see what's, we're gonna be taking bets to see what's the over and under of how many times he's gonna say, hey, Jay, can you tell me this, okay? Also, we gonna be going out seeing the enforcer, Rashad McCants. Hey man, he's back with us today. See man, Rashad is the old dog for minister society. Hey man, he's good at his job and I I don't really know how to explain it. All I know is Rashad called me last night and for no apparent reason I cashed at him $50. Okay, hey man, listen, I'm just telling you last but not least, we gonna be heading out to talk to the minister of intel, Delano Squires the only man on this show that I won't play Scrabble with. Jason only hangs out with Delano because it makes him look smart. And having said all of that, I need y'all to get ready for a feeling that you ain't never felt. I need all of y'all to sit back, relax, and strap on your seat belts and get ready for my guy. If he was the R&B singer, he would call himself Beef Sweat. Give it up for my guy, Big. Jason Whitlock, you know.
4: (laughs) And
5: uh, good job. Thank you, Uncle Jimmy. Uh, Wow. It's Tuesday, Uh, it's the day before, the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, So glad you guys are here. I I, I gotta say, the fire I started yesterday, so massive that I'm gonna set a series of small fires today. Just a series of small fires. Uh, We're gonna get right out to Los Angeles and bring in uh, the Korean Cosell Uh, Steve Kim, because I want to talk about uh, my first little small fire here. LeBron James uh, was suspended one game, and Isaiah Stewart two games for the little tussle and brawl that they had uh, in a game two, three days ago. Uh, You guys saw it. Do we have the clip? Do we have the clip of LeBron's little backswing? And let's play that. Isaiah Stewart kind of snaps.
4: And we saw Zach Levine light him up, then Giannis, and then Jason Tatum. And tonight, it's their number one guy, Jeremy Grant. Uh
1: oh,
0: uh oh, Stewart and LeBron. Stewart is hot,
2: and
4: everybody's coming off now.
2: now. This is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, he must have caught an elbow or something. But oh yeah, he's he's got a lot of blood streaming from the side of the eye. Look, here goes
4: Stewart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he's a little upset. You've got coaches, you've got security guys. Look at Dwayne Casey's like just calm. Down and there's Cade Cunningham also. He was along the free throw line on the free throw, and he's still trying to get loose. <laughs> he is knocking over, and he's out of the game
5: without question. All right, I'm giggling and laughing, but it's I don't know if it's that funny or not. But anyway, I I I. Have watched it in slow mo. I've watched it in fast mo. I don't think LeBron James was trying to harm this guy. I think he was frustrated and trying to get the guy up off of him. And again, I, I, to some degree, I think this whole thing is overblown. You know, I'm. I'm. It's funny when I first somewhat defended LeBron over social media. People immediately called me in a LeBron apologist, and I'm like who are they talking to, what, who, who have they been following to accuse me of being a LeBron apologist, but I just didn't see it as that big of a deal. However, my new take after the suspensions was, I, I, and I know that Isaiah Stewart went overboard in his reaction and they had to call security, but I have a problem with him getting more of a suspension than LeBron James. Thought they both should have got one game. I don't blame Isaiah Stewart for being irate. Guy's 20 years old. Uh, here's 37-year-old king of the NBA, LeBron James, doing something that's mildly dirty and led to uh, you know this, this guy's eye being completely bloodied. I get why Isaiah Stewart overreacted. LeBron's the instigator. I thought they should have had equal penalties. If Stewart was getting two games, LeBron should have got two games. Uh, But let's go out to the Korean Cosell. He lives out in Los Angeles. Uh, What is your take? Do you agree with me, Steve, that the punishment should have been equal here?
1: I disagree. And look, I think that LeBron took a camouflage cheap shot. That's the order of the cheap shot, like Bill Lane Beer. You act like you're not giving a cheap shot, but you cheap shot the guy. The reason why Stewart deserved the extra game or the harsher punishment is that the situation had calmed down. Everything had subsided, and then uh, he tries to start malice in the palace part two. I, I didn't think. That, I don't know if that was necessary or not. It's easy for me to say, but when you get sliced and you're bleeding – Look, you want retribution. It's a very emotional game. These guys have testosterone. I give Stuart credit for not bowing down to King James. That much I'll give him. But LeBron to act like, hey, I didn't do anything. Look, he knew what he was doing. All these guys do. So I, I disagree. Because if he just would have laid back and let everyone kind of, hey, everyone calm down. You get here. You get there. But all that extra activity at the end, which I found quite entertaining, by the way, for the record, that's where the extra game uh, comes from that suspension because you know you don't know what would have happened if he would have actually got to LeBron. My guess is there would have been a lot of punches thrown and none landed because I've told you this before, Jay, the funniest thing I ever see at a boxing gym, and I've been to a lot of them with a lot, a lot of pro athletes, is actually trying to watch a lot of them work the mitts in the heavy bag. No one will ever get hurt in an NBA fight outside of Rudy Tomjanovich. <laughs> uh, I do, here's where I would be slightly
5: critical of LeBron, is I do think as the leader of the NBA, as the premier player in the NBA, as the icon of the NBA, he should have come out with some major public statement apologizing, uh, offering to, to pay whatever fine Isaiah Stewart got. If I was LeBron, I would have said, I would have told Adam Silver, whatever penalty you give Isaiah Stewart, give it to me as well because I instigated this. And, and to me, that would have been a bold leadership move by LeBron James because again, Stewart's a kid. LeBron is the elder statesman of the NBA, biggest star in the NBA since Michael Jordan. If I would have liked to have seen LeBron take more responsibility for putting this kid in a bad spot. and and what I saw from Stewart is like he just got punched by LeBron. His eye is bloodied. he's bleeding everywhere. If he doesn't have some sort of reaction, in his mind, he's gonna look like a punk. And who else around the league, Is going to feel like oh I can take a cheap shot at Isaiah Stewart Uh, LeBron did it he got away with it Stewart didn't really have much of a reaction I I felt like because of how how high-profile LeBron is and Stewart again that's why there was a delayed reaction because I think it played out in Isaiah Stewart's head like oh my god I got to draw a line in the sand here I have to respond in some way this is going to be seen everywhere I can't look like a
1: punk Right. Uh, look, a couple things here about LeBron. If you're going to try to be Michael Jordan, you better have a Charles Oakley do all the dirty work, okay? And, and in hockey, every guy like a Wayne Gretzky has a Dave Semenko, an enforcer that keeps the peace. LeBron tried to do that, then walk away like he's the Peace Corps. That's not the way it works. Also with Isaiah Stewart, I give him credit. He marked his territory, as you said, Jay. And it kind of reminds me of what happened to Isaiah Thomas when he took an elbow, one of the worst I've ever seen from the mailman. And there was a subtext to this story that was interesting. This had a lot to do with Isaiah Thomas' snub from the 92 Dream Team. So he goes up against John Stockton, who effectively took his place. And in this game, which I believe was at the Salt Palace in Utah, and he was absolutely dominating John Stockton, just embarrassing him. And Karl Malone said, wait a minute, I'm going to have to put an end to this. And he gave him a gash that would have stopped a price fight. No, 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 too- no, no. S-
5: Steve, I think you got it wrong. I think you, I think he crushed, I think, <laughs> you correct me if I'm wrong, he crushed John Stockton in a game before, and this was the next time oh, wow. they played each other because Isaiah actually... This happened early in the game when Isaiah takes this hit from Carl Malone, and he actually came back and played. He went to the hospital, got stitched up, and came back and played, I believe, in
1: the second half. Well, OK, so, but I do remember that when this happened, Isaiah's gashed up, and the old-time trainer of the Pistons, I forgot his name, tries to come over <laughs> and look at Isaiah. And Isaiah, like, almost choked the trainer, thing. did you see what he did to me? Look, there's anger. There's testosterone. These guys are emotional. And I I don't know if LeBron would ever do that. I think LeBron's brand of leadership is about him and his people. Short of that other guy being represented by Rich Paul or being friends with Maverick Carter, I don't ever see LeBron really doing anything for any other player or for the greater good of the NBA Players Association. I don't. By the way, there's nothing wrong with it. I actually don't expect LeBron to tell anybody, hey, whatever I'm getting, he gets to. Because remember, they each got a game for the original altercation. That's fine. Stewart got the extra game because he prolonged the whole situation. I don't actually disagree with the discipline doled out on both sides. All right. I want to I ask you about Kyle
5: Rittenhouse, the interview, because you're a media expert. But I first want to hear about you went to Vegas for the Porter Crawford fight. Uh, I want to hear your review of the
1: fight. Well, first of all, uh, I want to make it clear. I crossed state lines. Just want to get that out there. Okay, <laughs> I know that's a big thing now. I mean I haven't that's, heard that I from forgot you. about Yeah, I crossed state lines. It was terrible. I, I mean I, I haven't used I haven't seen that term criminalized since they ginned up those charges. On the great Jack Johnson with the Man Act way back when, which he was finally pardoned (laughs) by President Trump about three, four years ago. But anyway, that's my boxing tie into crossing state lines. Interesting thing, uh, Jason, I told you about the reason why I didn't go to the fight at the Honda Center a couple of weeks ago. So I get into the hotel uh, that hosting the fight, and I don't want to get into the names because I don't want to ruin it for everyone else. I was there in May, and none of the hotels had any signs saying masks were required. They had pretty much moved on. That was late May, and now this is mid-November. All of the hotels all of a sudden had signs that say mask required. Here's what I found very, very interesting. Some of the hotels, they didn't enforce it at all. I didn't have a single person come up to me and say, "Uh, sir, you must put on your mask. There are like groups of five or six people. One or two people would have a mask. The other couple would not at all. Now, you go to another hotel. Now, this actually happened, Jay. Jay. Uh, I am at the Virgin Hotels. We had dinner, and I'm talking to somebody over the railing of a bar. They're inside the bar. I'm just out of it. It's a boxing person that I've known well, having a conversation. And a security guard comes up to me and my friend and says, sir, can you put on your mask? And we said, we need to have one on. Well, he doesn't. And he's sitting down at one of the tables. And the security guard was very nice. He said, well, here's the thing. He's inside the bar on that side of the railing. You're on this side of the railing, so I have to follow the rules. We complied. The guy's doing his job. But that's the lunacy of it all. Now, fast forward to Saturday night at the Mandalay Bay Michelob Arena. They said to us media, if you're inside the press room area beneath the tunnel coming into the venue, you must have your mask on. But as soon as you walk out where there's going to be about 12,000 people all packed in together, not a single person really had a mask on. I thought that was real interesting. It's like the inconsistency of this. As for the fight, Jason, it kind of went the way I I thought it would. Porter would be very, very difficult. He'd be tough. He'd be a a hard find in the ring because of his head movement and the way he ducks down. But over time, the skills of Terrence Crawford took over. To me, he's boxing's version of the amoeba. He's formless and shapeless, but he becomes what he needs to be in the middle of a fight as he adapts to an opponent. He's the most Well-adjusted fighter in a game that he could box a puncher, and he could punch a boxer, and he can do both from both the southpaw and orthodox stance. And eventually, he broke Sean Porter with some really precise counter punches. There was a lot of controversy over the father that I know very well Kenny Porter stopping the fight as soon as the second knockdown happened. Uh, I'm in the minority, Jason. I actually did not vehemently disagree with that stoppage because... Terrence Crawford once he goes in for the lack of a better term kill he's the most vicious violent finisher in the sport he's like a rabid starving Doberman going after a piece of meat and uh, Terrence Crawford in my view clearly is the best welterweight in the sport mm. uh, Errol Spence Terrence Crawford you, you stay what what would happen there well, I hope they actually fight. Now, this is interesting. I didn't know this because I was on press roll, but Errol Spence was there. And after the fight, they immediately panned in to Errol. Now, this was a very pro-Omaha crowd, okay? The, the, that fan base of Crawford actually travels very well from his home city. And as soon as they panned in on him, he got booed vehemently, and then he just decides to stand up and walk out. N- not exactly a clubberlang moment to me. If I'm Errol Spence, I'm saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Let me get in that ring and let me challenge that guy. That's the boxing that I remember. Instead, he just departs the arena. I I have my doubts if that fight will ever happen. I'll be pleasantly surprised if it ever does. But given Errol Spence's recent injury in regards to his detached retina, horrific car accident he had a couple of years ago, and the overall style I believe Terence Crawford, uh, along with many matchmakers and people in the sport of boxing, would be the favorite in that fight at this time.
5: Uh, Korean Cosell, because you are the Korean Cosell, I can ask you about more than just sports. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse did an interview last night with Tucker Carlson. Here's a little highlight from it, then I'll get your reaction.
1: So tell me, Kyle,
4: how you wound up in Kenosha that day. Um, well, it actually started on August 24th. Um, I was working my job as a lifeguard at the RecPlex in Kenosha County, and then the riots were still going on and a curfew was implied. So I went to Dominic Black's house and I stayed the night over there and saw the videos of the riots and the arson going on. Um, and What'd you think of it? It was upsetting because Kenosha is my community. Um, and i just was upset seeing my community up in flames yeah i bet you were um so you're at your friend's house that night you've come back from working as a lifeguard yes and then you decide to go in first you're cleaning up graffiti correct uh yes so We say the night August, I say the night August 24th, we wake up in the morning and we're talking like, let's go, let's go help our community, let's go see what we can do and we ended up at Ruther Central High School where we were cleaning graffiti for a couple hours and then we met with the owners of CarSource and we offered to protect their business from fires, making sure the rest of their other two properties didn't get burned down like they did the night prior. And they agreed. Um, we came back. We went back to Dominic's house and um, hung out there for a little bit. And then we went to uh car source to help protect the property and make sure it didn't set on fire again.
5: Mm. I can't say I was surprised, Steve, but uh, I thought Kyle Rittenhouse came off very normal, very likable. He came off kind of the way that, that I thought he's a little bit awkward. He's a do-gooder. And that's how he came across to me. And he was a do-gooder, that got put in a bad position on that night and made some compromised decisions that he was forced to have to make by a do-gooder meets three, three criminals, career criminals, and, and make some decisions he, he was forced to make. I, I, I liked K- Kyle Rittenhouse before the interview. I liked him more after the interview.
1: Jason, Kyle Rittenhouse is the everyday all-American young man. And I actually give him a break for being awkward. I don't think anyone ever asked to be thrust into this particular circumstance that he is. Uh, came off very measured and intelligent and generally a very nice young man. And I have a question for all these people that are trying to demonize him. Be honest, in the recesses of your heart, would you rather have Kyle Rittenhouse as your neighbor or the three guys that he got into the running with, for the lack of a better word? Let's be honest about this. And once again, it's another object lesson or an example of why we should never trust the modern mainstream media in a sense that they propagated lies for a good year over this young man. Um, you know, when they say crossing state lines, I, I go back to that. They make it sound like he went from Illinois to the border of Tijuana between Mexico and California. It was literally a 15 minute drive. I'm still hearing from people that he came over with firearms. I, I don't I, he didn't. It's almost like he asked his mom, hey, mom, did you pack extra hand grenades with my ding dongs in my lunch? OK, that's been refuted a million times. <laughs> the other thing, uh, the fact that he had. No ties to the city. That's simply untrue. He had family members and friends, and look, he was a good, he's a young man that was trying to stop bad trouble, not good trouble, as the saying goes. And I have a question for all those people that say, "Well, he shouldn't have been there, right?" Neither should have the. Let's call them what they are: rioters and looters. This was not a protest. When you frame it like that, you're simply being untrue. Protesting is protesting, but when you start damaging property, stealing burning and destroying property that is not a protest and that that's what i find really interesting and jay i gotta give you credit i'm gonna call you vivica a fox or jada pinkett because you set it off yesterday and we we, i gotta talk about malika andrews that that here's the funny thing she should be honest and she should have began that segment we are two and a half black people now now you're being accurate. Now you're being accurate. But like You said something a couple of weeks ago, uh, years ago, when you were on FS1, that I never noticed. I'm an Asian guy from the suburbs. I don't know this stuff. You said, it's always the light-skinned and the half-breeds that are the most militant. And once again, that was proven to be correct. And some of the stuff that was said, it's almost like everyone gets a script. And they're supposed to go by the script and use certain phrases, like crossing state lines. It's very Orwellian. But among many of the things that Malika Andrews said that made me uh, roll my eyes was, this is the reality that we are facing in the black community. Couple points. Number one, I don't think white-on-white crime is something that really is a big focus of the black community. Uh, <laughs> second of all, individuals like her and maybe that whole panel—they do what I call gated community activism. They say certain words. They spark a certain emotion and they send a certain message. But then at the end of the day, they go behind a gated community, which is all about, what, 99 percent white. And, And I remember you said this on a podcast when you're doing that thing with Curtis Schoon last year, which I loved. You said, let's be honest about these. These career criminals that they are taping for. These people would all be horrified to ever be around them or have their family around them. And, Jay, one last point I want to go back to from last year. I remember texting you this when it happened. I'm a big fan of HBO Hard Knocks. And last year during the summer of George Floyd, they focused in on the L.A. Chargers. And when the Jacob Blake situation happened, you had a bunch of players and athletes walking off the court, boycotting or whatever. I remember Anthony Lynn telling his team leaders, and they're all over Zoom meetings last year because he couldn't meet with them. And when the players wanted to walk out, Anthony Lynn said one of the bravest, most courageous, honest things I ever said. He said, hey, guys. If you don't want to practice because of this thing, I get it. But just don't practice to not practice, okay? Go out into that community or whatever communities are affected by this and talk to those people. Feel their pain and figure out how can you help them. But to just not practice, no, I'm not with that. I I thought that was one of the most honest, blunt things I could ever say. And that's my problem with a lot of these individuals that espouse these views. Outside of saying these words and stirring up these negative emotions in your people, What else are you really doing? Nothing. But that's why we call
5: you the Korean Cosell, (laughs) because you ain't scared, not remotely. All right, great job. All right, let me tell you guys about my good friends over at Good Ranchers. Did you know the product of USA TAG has been stolen by foreign countries? They process their meat here and then label it. It came from the USA because of these labeling laws that favor foreign. Imported meat over a 100,000 independent American farms and ranchers have closed since 2015. That's why Good Ranchers sources all of their meats from farms right here in the heartland 100% of the time, and you get 100% American farm-raised beef, chicken, and seafood. Good Ranchers is here to put America first at the dinner table and put the American rancher back on top. Go to goodranchers.com slash fearless right now to get 10 free bistro fillets when you subscribe. In addition, you'll save $25 off each subscription box of mouthwatering American meats for life. That's right, get $10, 10 free bistro filets, that's $119 value, free express shipping, and $25 off your monthly subscription for life, goodrancherscom slash fearless. Get the best deal of the year by visiting goodrancherscom slash fearless, or use the promo code fearless at checkout Good Fearless Soldier supports good ranchers because they support us. All right, Rashad McCants, nerds. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's keep it rolling. Let's go out to Las Vegas and bring in Rashad McCants, former NBA player, former North Carolina Tar Heel, uh, LeBron James, Isaiah Stewart, both suspended. LeBron one game, Stewart two games. Uh, I just talked about it with the Korean Cosell. Now let's go to a former player and get his take. Did the NBA handle this properly?
2: Um, let's think about this for a second. The eye in the sky doesn't lie. That's one. So let's look at the film. And the film fully shows that there was an intent, there was blood, and there was a reaction. So just let me give full transparency here for the fans and the people watching. I would have responded the same way at 20 years old. I would have responded the same way at 30 years old. And I will respond the same way now. You know, when you're hit, the way he was hit in the course of the game, it's immediately, is rage. It's trying to figure out what just happened. And once you start leaking, man, you have to respond. So, you know, it's one of those things where you got to take into account, you know, defending yourself. And a man's natural instinct is to defend himself when assaulted. And you have to understand that as fans and and anybody watching that it's a it's an unpopular hot take. But LeBron did this intentionally. But let me explain why. A player like Isaiah Stewart is coming into the league trying to establish himself. LeBron James is the sacred cow. You cannot establish yourself on a sacred cow. It's not something that you do. It's an elitist classism mentality for Hall of Famers, All-Stars. You establish yourself at a different tier level than the greatness and the royalty of a LeBron James. So LeBron was immediately insulted when he seen that this player was trying to establish himself on him. And he sent him a message. But for LeBron James, that was immediately rage and regret. And we look at our community we look at human nature and rage and regret runs rapid and rampant in our society and lebron immediately hit him in rage and immediately regretted it but here's where lebron could have did better lebron was immediately in a mentorship situation where he could have in in that moment Not retaliated, went down to the other end of the floor, pulled Isaiah to the side, and told him, listen, this is not, it's not cool what you're doing, bro. I understand what you're doing, but look, I like you. you, You're a fiery guy, but you got to calm down when it comes to me. And this is a private conversation. This is what makes you elite. But LeBron didn't do that. LeBron retaliated. And in that moment, he regretted it immediately.
5: Oh, you're, you're saying the punch to the face was the retaliation.
2: Yes, to, to Isaiah Stewart trying to establish himself as, you know, a, a hard-nosed defensive stopper. And I'm going to go against anybody. And this is why I say full transparency. That's how I came into the league. I knew right away that you have to establish yourself with consistency with the referees, consistency with every player night in, night out, to play a certain way that everyone knows that you're going to be this Ron Artest type of player. LeBron James said to him, with this intent, you're not going to establish yourself with me. But LeBron James handled it the wrong way. And he missed so, out on Hold on. on hold,
5: hold for one second, Rashad, because I want to unpack what you're saying just a little bit so that it's cr- cl- clear to the viewers and listeners. Throughout the game, before this incident at the free throw line, on a free throw, the – You're saying Stewart was trying to play a physical style of basketball, aggressive, hyper aggressive style of basketball with LeBron James. He was trying to mark his territory. I ain't scared of nobody, even LeBron James. And by the time they got to this free throw line incident, LeBron was already frustrated. He let his rage out by, all right, let me take a little shot at this dude. I'm King James. Let me Mm -hmm. put him in his place. And what you're saying is during a timeout or at some point early in the game, hey, young bro, let me pull you to the side. I, I get what you're trying to do. You, mm-hmm. I, you have my respect, blah, 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 but I am LeBron James. You see all these people in the stands, they're here to see me. They bought these tickets to see me. Go, go, <laughs> go establish that stuff with, you know, I got some other teammates out here. Go, go do that with them.
2: That now I understand. Yeah. So so we look at LeBron James leadership abilities. He missed out on the opportunity to become a mentor to Isaiah Stewart. He missed out on the opportunity to get Isaiah Stewart's respect, the utmost respect to say, listen, I now I I didn't even know I was establishing myself like this. This is an innate natural instinct for Isaiah. He he exhibited to me an alpha energy. He responded and defended himself. And so when you do that, you say, LeBron, you missed out on an opportunity to take this young fella under your wing and say, look, I like this guy. Because that's what happened when it came down to Kobe Bryant and myself. When I played Kobe Bryant a certain level, he immediately was like, you know what, I like this energy. I'm not going to antagonize this situation by retaliating to how aggressive and how how." hard you're playing against me I'm going to say look young fella I like it I love it keep it going that made me respect Kobe Bryant that much more and I think LeBron James missed out on opportunity for the league to see his leadership even in the scuffle LeBron James could have told everybody in that arena to stop what you're doing move out the way Isaiah come over here I'm sorry bro I did not mean to do that everybody calm down my bad my bad. LeBron has that power to split the seat and make everything stop and end that. And he didn't. He allowed his teammates to incite it. And now you got Anthony Davis and Carmelo Anthony saying he's not a dirty player because, you know, he did what he did. And it's so like that didn't have to happen.
5: Mm. I want to transition to uh, another topic. Uh, yesterday, I had a little conversation about. ESPN and Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson and Malika Andrews and they had a discussion about Kyle Rittenhouse and and so yesterday I, I broke down for those guys and for everybody to kind of share like hey man we'd love to go on TV and protect our street credibility or. Make sure we our hood passes in 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 good standing, and so let's all jump on Kyle Rittenhouse and make sure that everybody on Twitter. And, and I'm like, well, hold on, man. Kyle Rittenhouse is exhibiting the exact same behavior I see young black boys do all across the country, protecting their block, their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They joining gangs, they getting guns, and they doing everything they. I'm, Crip for life, I'm blood for life, gangster disciple, GD, uh, all of that. And and we never criticize that mentality among young black boys. We make excuses, well, they don't have fathers and they're oppressed and blah, blah, blah. Kyle Rittenhouse's parents are divorced, he's living with his mama, he's in poverty, they're not remotely rich, or before any of this stuff happened, they weren't remotely, had, had no wealth or anything. He's showing the same energy, masculine energy, maybe it's misguided or whatever, but it's the same masculine energy we see from young black boys all over the country that join gangs and do the same thing. I don't understand why Kendrick Kendrick Perkins has told me today over uh, social media, hey, my grandparents raised me, there's nothing street about me, I don't subscribe to street culture, blah, blah. And a very transparent, honest answer, Richard Jefferson's father was killed in a drive-by shooting in Compton, California. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I can't understand why everybody seems comfortable going on TV, oh, I can't believe Kyle Rittenhouse tried to protect his neighborhood, tried to protect his block. I can't believe it. Who, what kid would do that? And I'm like, damn near every kid I know in the hood. (laughs) so have i missed something here (laughs) yeah
2: yeah you missed something jason i think you missed the fact that there's a certain type of propaganda moving and that these guys has taken the ball and ran with it you know i think those guys understand that the climate of racial tension is very high and they can throw out any kind of narrative they want and everybody's going to take it and run because you're on one of the hottest shows in the world. But let's unpack what's happening. Now, we're talking about three gentlemen who are convicted felons. We're not talking about three innocent white people. We're talking about a convicted sex offender level three. We're talking about domestic abuse, beating women, legal weapon, false imprisonment. We're talking about burglary legal weapon probation assault with a legal weapon these are three felons that i would consider white gangbangers. bangers so let's go to richard jefferson your dad was killed in compton in the drive-by shooting now if you were to be walking down la going to the espn studios and you see those guys who killed your father what you gonna do what you gonna do, Rich? Now, let's let's, let's let's go further than that. Let's say we're in the hood, and Kendrick Perkins, you're in Texas, you're in your hood, you got your gun on you because you know you need it, but you're at the gas station, and some game bangers run up. They want your car, get out. What you gonna do, give them your car? Are you gonna defend yourself? Like, we have to understand perspective. Now, the Kyle Rittenhouse, Kyle is Kyle. Kyle not supposed to have no AK. Kyle not supposed to go up there and, 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 and try to be the hero because he's 17. He's not qualified. So the only mistake Kyle made was trying to be a hero in a time where you got to let the police do what the police do. Now, who he shot and how he shot them was in total defense. Just like if a black man is being robbed in a hood, you gonna to try to defend yourself or you gonna give up the jewelry, you gonna give up what you got and you gonna take the L. We know as black people, we know that the tensions are higher in our own communities with our own people when we walking around our own communities. We know that. But we know also how to use the race car, how to incite violence when it's coming down to, oh, 400 years of oppression and we, it's, it's their, their time to pay but we're missing the point. We're still living in a civilization, we're still in a society where right is right, wrong is wrong. These were three convicted fellas that tried to take this guy's life or at least present some type of threat to his life. And you, you gotta look at the situation as, how would you have responded? Kendrick Perkins, Jalen Rose, Richard Jefferson, when we talking about it being one of your kind and in your Kyle Rittenhouse, how are you gonna respond with a gun to your face, getting hit with a skateboard, and they trying to jump you just because we've gotten a green light from the Democrats to come out here and blow some shit up. That's what kind of excuses we're using in the media now. You could just say what you want and not have no facts behind it. These are facts only. These guys were convicted felons. Why are you speaking up on it like you're trying to defend the felons? Level three sex offender. What are we doing?
5: Well, I want to come in behind that because you raised a heck of a point that I just want to dwell in for just a brief second. Basically, what you're saying is in order to be on the right side of social media, in order to protect your position at ESPN, in, in order to be in good standing with Democrats, I'm looking at two men, Richard Jefferson and Kendrick Perkins. I, I'm telling, you, I used to work with them. I like them. I respect. In the right settings, with the right host, someone there to keep, steer the conversation in proper directions. These guys are valuable. But when you throw a child and particularly a woman, a female child as the host or whatever, what you end up doing is baiting these dudes to go completely against their male instincts and masculinity. And so defending yourself is one of the most natural instincts of any man that I know. And so, but, but because We've been, oh, there's race, 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 race. You're going to betray all of your masculine energy and and pretend like you can't understand a 17-year-old who's being attacked by three felons, one of them a, a dude that has been raping children anally, boys, anally, between the ages of 9 and 11 years old. You're sitting on TV acting like you're on his side. And so Kendrick Perkins is a is a father. He's a, so again, there's some natural. What I'm trying to say, and I, I, these guys probably think I'm trying to attack them. I'm trying to shake them up and wake them up. Like, be a man. Yes. Give into your manly energy. They have tricked you into race, 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 race and you, I'm defending my race. No man. You are betraying your masculinity, your male energy. You're being emasculated on TV in front of the world. They're playing a game on you. If you can't look at a 17 year old boy, white or black, there's video, he's clearly defending himself from attack from three idiots. And you can't relate to that as a man? These these are just facts, and so I'm not trying to attack, embarrass y'all. I'm trying to get you to wake up from the game that's being played on y'all. They got a little child out there as the host of the show that that she's there to make you distracted. Again, because if they didn't want to distract you and they wanted a female host, and I, I say this without a minute's Disrespect. I don't mean any disrespect by this at all. I really don't. But like, they, Ramona Shelburne would be hosting that show. She actually knows the NBA. They put a supermodel out there so that your energies are. Hey, I'm gonna. This show's fearless. We keep it a thousand percent accurate and honest. I'm gonna say some people think I'm trying to be funny, but I'm really not. I'm just keeping it factually true. Any man that I know, this heterosexual can relate to this. When there's an attractive woman out in your presence and you are slightly aroused, <laughs> slightly, you can't think straight. You cannot think straight, oh, now, that's man. just facts. Do you understand how many times, every, I-, I can only talk about me.
3: <sighs>
5: when I release, it's like sanity returns to my head. When I'm aroused, I'm insane. Yep. I'm thinking all kinds of dumb things. <laughs> and then as soon as I release, it's like, oh, God, I'm a normal human being again, and I can think straight.
2: Yep.
5: That's the game that's being run on us. Sit something, about, something out there to get you a little distracted, a little aroused, get you thinking about other things, get you yep. tapping, oh I wanna show how sensitive I am and how I wanna be relatable to her, I wanna say things that she finds pleasing. It, it distorts the entire conversation. And the next thing you know, you're throwing out all your masculinity because you want to be BFF with her. You want yep. her to like and respect you, or not even respect, just like you. Right. So, I, I, I you brought up, you brought me to a, a great point in terms of, and, and it sounds like I'm I'm beating up on these guys. I'm really not, man. Wake up. <laughs> Don't we'll betray look. being a man. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll let you go for that. Let, last me, word. let
2: me say this. I just want to I wanna I want to help you out with the Kendrick Perkins situation because Kendrick Perkins literally said, I don't want to say too much or I'll lose my job. Now, I'm segueing on your whole spiel just now on masculinity, alpha energy. Kendrick Perkins just completely disappointed me with that statement alone. Let's just say they had some points that could be semi-valid when you talk about perspective. Let's just say that, hypothetically. But when you say, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to lose my job. Woo. I don't want to call you out your name big bro. You know, you know me, I know you. We go back to Houston, Houston hoops and Texas, Texas, uh, AAU with you and Indy E B, but bro, this ain't it for you to hide behind your job and not be able to really tell the tale. Like it's disappointing as a man to see you hide behind your job at ESPN and your check as if you can't do nothing else. You've made way more money than me. Why am I this much more fearless than you? It don't make no sense. I'm not at ESPN, and if I was, I'm gonna speak the truth. They're gonna have to fire me, because the truth is the truth. But when you hide behind that, and sit there and agree with a female that knows that she don't have that type of energy, she would not respond the way she respond, put in certain situations, like defending yourself in a high alert situation, you don't wanna lose your job. That's not commendable as a man. And I'm disappointed, you know, because he's sitting in a leadership position where people listen to him and say, "Yeah, yeah, Perk, you're right. Don't lose that job." Now you're now you're inciting that more Black people should be more protective of their job more than their stance against real justice. I'm disappointed, Perk.
5: Uh, thank you. Uh, that was Rashad McCants. We're going to keep it moving. We're going to go to uh, the smartest man on the show, Delano Squires. Go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit that subscribe, hit those likes. Uh, if you're listening over Apple or on a podcast, give me that five star review. Leave a comment, leave a, your opinion on the show. But I need those five star reviews. Delano Squires. Urgh. Welcome back. Uh, time for the show to get smart or smarter. Uh, time for uh, Delano Squires uh, to join the show. And Delano, only because you're so smart, I can throw you this curveball I'm about to throw you. It's just a tiny curveball, but you can handle this pitch. Uh, earlier today, I was in my car driving to get my hair cut and uh, I was listening to MSNBC on Sirius XM and Craig Melvin was hosting a discussion with some guests and they were talking about Daryl Brooks and what happened in Waukesha, Wisconsin and how Daryl Brooks just two days before had been released on a $1,000 bail and they had the conversation for a solid 20 minutes about bail reform. And the, hmm. the discussion on MSNBC was like, oh, have we gone too far with bail reform? Should Darrell Brooks have been out on a $1,000 bail given his criminal history of violence? And the fact, I, I think one of the latest charges before he killed five people was he tried to hit a woman with his car, or he hit a woman with his car. And they were having this conversation amongst themselves about bail reform and did we go Mm. too far. And they were talking about the uptick in crime all across America. And they were attributing a lot of this to bail reform and that a lot of people Mm. that would normally be locked up are now out because we've had all this bail reform and this whole deal. We gotta let criminals out of prison and blah, blah, blah. And as I'm listening to it, I'm just remembering NFL players, and I just called up a story right before I brought you on. This is from The Athletic. Former NFL players join Players Coalition, push mm. for bail reform. Mm. And it's a whole story. It's, I like to Kale Spikes. He's quoted in here, and uh, other former NFL players are quoted in here. But this all goes to my point about. Why are NFL players and NBA players the leading voices on criminal justice reform and they are leading how we approach crime? Do they have some sort of expertise in this area? And here we are, this story was published in 2018 about Mm -hmm. the NFL players pushing for bail reform. And here we are three years later, and the people in Waukesha are living with the consequences, and people all across the country, as violence ticks higher and higher and higher, all across, we're all living with the ramifications of jocks. They know what America should do. When they're not dunking basketballs, and tackling each other. They've got this whole criminal justice thing figured out. They got everything figured out. And let's make them the face, they're the puppets that the left has used to create this kind of chaos. And so Mm. I I just kind of wanted to start there with this whole thing. We're already quickly seeing the impact of the changes that, that, they ha- that have been implemented all under the guise of Black Lives Matters and the police are just out randomly killing black people and we must totally remake the criminal justice system. That's the only way to stop Derek Chauvin from putting a knee on George Floyd's back. If, if, if we have bail reform and more criminals on the street, Derek Chauvin would never think to put his knee on George Floyd's back or, or Michael Brown when he tried to take Darren Wilson's gun Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, Darren Wilson would have never shot him if more criminals were just out on the street and we had bail reform, bail reform, bail reform. Anyway, I just, I wanted to talk about that
3: for a little bit. Sure. I mean, I I think it points to a couple different things, right? Um, At its root and at its foundation, the, the left places its sympathies in the wrong place when it comes to these conversations. You can hear it even in the language that they use. They talk about criminal justice Right, because that's their focus. They focus on criminals. Their policies are meant to improve, um, at least from their perspective, improve the lives, the comfort levels, and the access to general society for criminals. Um, you, You see that both in the conversations about bail reform that are going on in city after city with the election of more, quote unquote, progressive prosecutors. Um, as well as even over the last two weeks, Jason, of uh, the conversations around Kyle Rittenhouse and his trial, I mean, I, I don't, I can't believe how sympathetic, um, you know, MSNBC and CNN has been to, but uh, p- particularly uh, Rosenbaum, right? The first person that Kyle Rittenhouse shot. And again, I'm not, I'm not celebrating the death of anyone, but when I hear someone like Joy Reid basically en- engaging in that time-honored tradition, tradition of saying his name for Joseph Rosenbaum and knowing that she would never, ever do that for any of the the black school children, toddlers, old people who get caught in crossfires in city after city around this country. She never uses her platform to do that. But for a a convicted felon, a sex offender, right, who, who raped little boys, he is the person that she finds the most sympathy with. So I think this really, I mean, Jason, honestly, over the last couple of years, um, and, and I'm going to say this and I hope it, it ties into what we're talking about. I have really seen my faith deepened and strengthened, not just because I'm going to a great church with a great pastor, but because as the world has gotten darker and darker, God's light has been shining brighter and brighter. And part of that light is being able to, to look in the Bible and to see how the God of this world, the creator of this world, says that the world is supposed to operate. Now, when we're dealing in earthly matters, right, when you open up your iPhone brochure, and it says, don't submerge this phone in water, or it's not going to work properly, most people will listen to it. But (laughs) when it comes to matters of, of both time and eternity, when the word says, punish evil, because if you don't, it's going to spread. We say, no, we know better than God. We're going to reward evil and punish do-gooders. And then we'll see how it works out. And you see this time after time after time on issue after issue after issue, right? So whether it's marriage and family, whether it's justice, um, you know, all different types of, of scenarios that come up, um, we see our world, and this is, this is not a political thing. I mean, this is just the, the nature of the world, constantly trying to go against um, what the creator said is, is best. Um, so I think, to your point, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that, that the left is starting to have those conversations now because it gets to a point where you can't deny reality. It's the same thing that happened with defund the police. It was a catchy slogan um, among the most privileged people, the gated community crowd, Um, The kids who grew up going to private schools and who, who have doormen right now, it sounded like a catchy slogan because everything in 2020 was about getting Donald Trump out of office. But then they started to realize that when you take police out of the most dangerous neighborhoods, people die. And disproportionately, those people look like me and you. And the same very people who say Black Lives Matter, right, make off with a bag of money. Move to 98% white neighborhoods with, with helicopters and helipads, are not there when black school children, grandmas, and innocent bystanders are being uh, shot in the street because two young men don't know how to settle a dispute without pulling guns.
5: Delano, I want to buttress your point by playing a clip because I love, you said, punish evil and reward do-gooders and we've done just the opposite. I watched Kyle Rittenhouse's interview last night on Tucker Carlson, Mm -hmm. he came across like a nerdy, awkward do-gooder. He wanted to protect his community, he wanted to clean up the graffiti, he wanted to provide medical attention. The guy said on his interview he still wants to be a nurse. This is like Mm -hmm. an authentic thing of trying to help people in trouble. He went to go be a do-gooder, and found himself attacked by three evil people. And and this is how backwards things are. Look at this clip of Black Lives Matter protesters in Portland, Mm. Oregon, chanting the name of Joseph Rosenbach.
0: Say his name! Joseph Rosenbach! Say his name! Joseph Rosenbach! Say his name! Joseph Rosenbach! Say his name! Joseph Rosenbach!
1: Rosenbach.
5: Hey man, the world is going insane. Mm. This man raped five boys between the ages of 9 and 11, anally raped. And people are out in public chanting his name. I just talked about, it's like, and I know a lot of these people don't know what they're doing mm. and I'm trying to just shake them up and wake them up. And that's why we keep having these conversations is like Kendrick Perkins. I'm t- Kendrick Perkins is a good guy. I- I've i mm. met him. He's well-intentioned, but he just doesn't know what he doesn't know. He and Richard Jefferson are sitting on TV tactically defending Jason, mm-hmm. uh, Joseph Rosenbaum and demonizing Kyle Rittenhouse. I am like, Kendrick Perkins is a father,
3: mm-hmm.
5: and we're really shedding tears—not that he cried—but we're really throwing all this sympathy to Joseph Rosenbaum. The man's out there dropping the N-word right and left, threatening to kill people. He's annually raped children. We, we, we are punishing do-gooders and celebrating evil people. We, we. The whole thing is just upside down and backwards.
3: Yeah, we, we've definitely lost our way. Um, and as I said, it, it's been so striking to hear you know, so many, uh, there's one um, actor, I think is Mark Ruffalo, he referred to Joseph Rosenbaum as Jojo. I feel like they were, they were best friends. I mean, this, these people have created pet names for, for again, career criminals. And, and you see, again, time and time and again, they put their sympathies in the wrong place. And and now this is, Jason. It's so it's it's gotten so bad that um, I'm I'm used to them, to be quite frank, doing it for black suspects because I know they want to play up the notion that the criminal justice system is, um, you know, sort of systemically racist and so on and so forth. So I'm kind of used to that. But their willingness to push a political agenda at all costs is so strong that they'll even do it with white guys, and they will spin the case in a way that makes people think that Kyle Rittenhouse shot three black guys. Because this is always and at all times about about politics and political power. So they will use the reprobate, they will use degenerates, rapists, pedophiles. um, I mean, anyone that they can get their hands on if it helps them push um, a particular political narrative. And I wanted to go back to one thing you said where you started from in terms of professional athletes. Um, I mean, Malcolm X said this a long time ago that you know, the black community is the only community where you know, we have you know, athletes and actors and singers and trumpet players. He, he did his hands like you know, when he was saying it. And he said, these people are a joke. And I think it's even you know, more the case now than it was back then. I mean, th- th- you see this across the left, but particularly in the black community, the people with the most... Uh, Influential platforms and voices are complete know-nothings. They literally don't know what they're talking about. They traffic in outright lies and half-truths all day long. They have become resistant. I mean, they have herd immunity to actual facts. So all they do, they just repeat narratives. And and as soon as, and I I found this even online, Jason, as soon as you press them with a, a specific question, they run away because they have nothing to stand on. So whether it's M- Malika Andrews, whether it's Joy Reed, I mean, Tiffany Cross, she's another serial offender, where everything is about race. They repeat, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've, you and I, I'm sure, both heard cross state lines, no connection to this community, so on and so on and so on. I mean, things that have been factually disproven, but they just keep repeating them. And then they're the ones who turn around and say, oh, those silly Republicans believe in the big lie. But this is what they do all day long. So I, I think it, it really is time to, to move these people out of the way, diminish their influence on our lives. I think one of the hardest things to do for just regular people is, is to help their loved ones, their family and friends to open their eyes. Because I'm starting to find that even when talking with family and friends, if you even question the dominant narrative, people will want to dismiss you they'll say, oh, if, if he was black, this, this would have never happened. They would have shot him on sight and, and the conservatives wouldn't, wouldn't um, you know, support him. And I'm like, you people clearly don't know anything about conservatism. If there was a black teenager, 17-year-old, who worked as a lifeguard, wanted to be a police officer, spent his days scrubbing graffiti off of buildings after a you know, Black Lives Matter rally, protests, march, and defended himself Against you know, three white felons, right? I mean, serious felons, that person would be on Fox News every day of the week, because at the end of the day, if I had to choose between raising a son that turned out to be like Kyle Rittenhouse, who demonstrated valor and honor and courage, or raising a son that turned out to be like Joseph Rosenbaum, who was a serial predator, I'm taking the former every day of the week. So I don't think that that his parents or his family has anything to hang their head, head about. I mean, and, then on a, on a ta- uh, and I, I'll finish this part out. On a tactical level, people who are familiar with firearms can can tell you the amount of discipline that he showed. Because even with Gage Rosenkreutz, he didn't fire until until Gage pointed his gun at him. You could actually see from the video, he paused for a second right? He had way better trigger discipline than the prosecutor who pointed a gun with his finger on the trigger at at the jury. So, I mean, even that level of discipline and discretion, to me, we we are, as a a country, we are going to be in a sad state if we punish the type of courage that boys like Kyle Rittenhouse demonstrate and reward the type of perversion that Men like Joseph Rosenbaum display throughout their entire lives?
5: So, and again, you can handle anything I throw your way, but I (laughs) I just want to Malika Andrews and, Mm -hmm. and my conversation yesterday and trying to explain like, okay, sports and the NBA and the NFL used to be spaces dominated by male conversation. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think there was anything wrong with that. ESPN, Fox Sports, everybody, has, corporate media has decided. Nope, you got to drop an Instagram model in the middle of all these conversations to make it fair and equitable. And mm. but it doesn't improve the conversation because it, here's what when, when Malik Andrews is 26 years old, man, mm. she, she's not. Among female journalists, like, Ramona Shelbourne tonight will forget more about the NBA than Malika Andrews is likely to ever know. Mm. Uh, you, you, you toss in a few, hell, Cassidy Hubbard knows more, but when you start talking about some of the dudes that have covered the NBA or whatever, and, and just grown people that have mm-hmm. actually covered the NBA who could be hosting that job. This is what I'm saying about it's calculated in terms. let's put these young supermodels as hosts of these shows because they know they didn't get the job because of their basketball acumen or they're mm. the most knowledgeable about the sport. They know that why they, they're pretty and they're going to look good on camera and they're never going to push back. And so what I'm saying, a grown person that was hosting that show might have and particularly if it was a man, might have been like, you, you want me to go on TV and talk with Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson about Cal Ridenhouse trial? What, what do they know about it? Right. An adult would have said that like, hey, that's gonna put them in a bad spot. It's gonna put me in a bad spot. It's not fair to Cal Rittenhouse. It's not what our audience was. Somebody would have given them some pushback. But when you put a child in there, they're not going to give any producers, anybody, that kind of pushback. And then, so again, I look at Richard Jefferson and Kendrick Perkins. If they were actually the most qualified and didn't feel like someone's done them a favor, they would have said, y'all going to have Malika Andrews ask us what? Kyle? I haven't watched that trial. I don't know anything about it. Now, I know what you should do if they run a three quarter press on the, you know, Mm -hmm. in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter. I know. Let's talk about that. But you're asking me to talk about Cal Rittenhouse. Why are y'all put a grown person with some confidence who's trust me? I've been in these meetings. I I know what executives look like when I say, no, we ain't doing that. Mm -hmm. With these guys, are you kidding? And I break, no, 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 no. And they go, "Hmm." see Whitlock's a problem. He doesn't wanna talk about Tim Tebow the way we wanna talk about Tim Tebow. Mm. We gotta get someone more, amount. and that's when they start, they figured it out. Hey, let's put supermodels in here. They don't know anything and they'll do exactly what we tell them to do and we'll Mm. get credit for being champions of women journalists. Yeah, and and if we're really lucky, hell, one of them may offer us some tail for one of these jobs, and my God, so we've hit, we we've hit it, we've hit a trifecta, we've hit the super lottery. She's gonna do what I tell her, and she might toss me some tail. Holy cow, this is amazing, and I get to look like I'm pro women, and and you know I'm on the right side of history and all. Trust me, that's the calculus that's being done. Mm. I've worked there, I know it, I've seen it. I'm not lying. I'm not jealous. I don't want to be there. You can't tell the truth in those environments. That's why I'm over here talking to Delano. (laughs) I like (laughs) talking.
3: Any reaction
5: to any of that, I don't even know if I have a question.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I think m- more than anything, it shows why sports networks should not be in the social commentary business. They they're just they' out of their depth because as I said, when when you're a fan and you' listen listening to these guys talk, you'll notice the lack of precision. you'll you'll notice the the sort of the well-worn narratives. And what you're hearing, you're not hearing. Um, sort of deep, thoughtful people speaking, you're hearing sheep bleating. That's, 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 the sound, that, that, that's the sound, they make the sounds that sheep make, right? And that's why they all sound exactly the same. Because it's not, they're not doing any study, they're not reading court transcripts, they're not looking at reports, they're not s- sitting back and asking themselves, okay, uh, how would this play out if I was in this position? They never ask themselves those questions. They they defend, excuse, and co-sign things for other people that they wouldn't for their own lives. I remember Jason last year, it was one guy, ESPN, I can't f- remember his name, but when the protests were starting to really pick up and started to become, you know, more destructive, he was saying, Yeah, burn it all down, da-da-da-da-da. And then they came to his gated community and started to, to listen to what it is that he was saying. And then he said, Hey man, get get that stuff out of here. I don't don't burn my neighborhood, go burn somebody else's neighborhood. And, and that really is what's going on here. And, and again, they have people who are totally unqualified. And it's not just the, the, the sports stars, right? It's not just the athletes, it's not just the supermodels. Even the journalists, quote unquote, are unqualified. You know that because again, they, they repeat things that have been factually disproven. So I think you know, ESPN and all these other networks should stay out of that business not just because they're unqualified, which they are, but because they continue this vicious cycle. Because really what it is, they, they're speaking to their audience, which they know is probably majority white, about issues that, that they believe are of concern to um, you know, black folk and, and you know, minority populations, and they want to, to seem you know, down for social justice and woke or whatever other terms you want to use, but all they keep doing is reinforcing the same dynamic you know, that, that we always talk about, which is they, they only talk about and bring up cases that have national attention in which a black person's life is harmed or taken by a white person. And they've moved to another level where even when it's all white folks, they think that that is a, a matter of uh, concern as it relates to racial justice and, and black people. So I, I just think they're, they're off, they're wrong um, for many, many reasons. And I, I just think they should stick to sports. And I, I'm not saying that in the spirit of shut up and dribble. I'm just saying it in the spirit of people who are good at things should stick to what they're good at, right? You don't, you don't go to your orthodontist for tax advice. There's a reason for that. So when a guy who, you know, to be quite honest, barely got out of college and can barely string you know, a, a noun and a verb together is weighing in on deep, complex issues of self-defense law. I, I just don't think they put him in, in the best position. And, and it's not that he doesn't have an area of expertise. It's just that people think because they have an area of expertise in one place that that transfers to every place else. And what we're seeing time and time and again is that that is not the case and we're being led by some of the most silly, unprepared and and shallow people in media, sports, and big business.
5: Delano, uh, you wrote a great column today that basically argued that, hey look, 30 years ago, we used to actually have honest conversations and be able to talk about the issues impacting black people in an mm-hmm. honest, self-responsible, transparent way. You point to the song Self-Destruction, mm-hmm. and, and then you compare it to where we've moved to today, where Jamel Hill is basically arguing that uh, white oppressors need to fix what happened to young, young Dolph the Mm. rapper who was killed in memphis tennessee it's the responsibility of the white liberal or the white oppressor to to come to the table and fix the pathologies that led to young dolph getting killed uh you, you just juxtapose that to 30 40 years ago when rappers actually used to talk about what's really impacting us
3: yeah, and and, I, and really, there's a there's a parallel in terms of what I was writing about and what we just talked about, and one of the things that it picks up on is the the result of a decline in male leadership. I don't think it's any um, coincidence that again, the most prominent sort of racial justice movement of the last fifty sixty years was led by three women, three self-identified radical feminists, right? Two of whom are in relationships with transgender or non-binary people, right? These are people who have just totally different priorities. So for me, I'm trying to make the argument that the black community is, is, in, a, is in a tailspin and a nosedive, and we're headed for a complete state of self-destruction for three main reasons. One, um, the levels of violence in some of our communities is staggering. It is one of the worst-kept secrets in our society and sort of political discourse um, because of some of the reasons I just talked about, because all the attention goes to instances that people can use for their own political purposes. And unfortunately, a dead black 18 month old doesn't serve anybody because if the shooter is also black, you can't you know, dismantle the police or, or you know defund prisons off of that, right? you, you have to go after um, you, know, you you have to pursue those goals when, when the perpetrator is a white police officer or a vigilante. So one is the, it's the levels of violence in our community. Two, it is the level of violence within hip hop culture, knowing how prominent a role hip hop culture plays within the larger black culture. Because whether you're a pastor's kid or a presidential candidate, all of us at some point or another are quoting um, lyrics from artists, some of those artists will spend two and a half minutes out of a five minute song talking about how many N-words they're going to pop today. So that's two. And then the third reason we're headed for self-destruction is because the modern black leadership class, who I refer to sometimes as the Talented Tenth or the aristocracy is completely allergic to responsibility um they do not like putting a t- attention on anything that in any way demonstrates that black people can you know address some of the issues that we have in our community i'm not saying we'll be able to solve all of them right because the rappers back in 1989 they didn't solve gun violence but what they did is they used their platform to shine a light on it which when i turn into e- turn on espn I'm constantly being lectured that that's what athletes are supposed to do. They're supposed to use their platforms to shine a light on social injustices. But the very same people who say that, right, and who say that silence is is violence when when they're trying to, you know, discipline the white viewers are completely silent on the things that are occurring in many of our cities, some of which are cities that they actually live in. So I, I just wanted to show that contrast, how much more... Uh, self-reflective and responsible um, black artists were, you know, 30 plus years ago. Um, I, I wanted to, to talk about, you know, the impact of the violence in hip hop, because as I said before, sowing and reaping, those are laws of nature. If you, if you sow violence, you're going to reap destruction. I don't think it's any coincidence that a, a lot of, particularly the, the younger guys over the last couple of years who've gotten killed, is. In, uh, in terms of rappers, one day they're rapping about who they're gonna shoot and you know, laughing at people that they've shot and killed, and then the next day they're victims. None of that is a surprise to me. So I, think, I don't think there's any surprise to anybody that you, know, you can't name a single gospel artist who's been killed in the last 30 plus years. But the list of rappers, I mean, is actually quite long, unfortunately. And I mean, I'm stretching back, um, to 1987, when KRS-One, his best friend DJ Scott LaRock, was was murdered, through the 90s with Biggie and Tupac, through the 2000s, uh, Nipsey Hussle was a couple years ago, you know, and younger guys, some of whom, honestly, I don't even follow. I just I'm familiar, somewhat familiar with the names. So all three of those things are really they really have us on a path to self-destruction. And and I focus in on Jamel Hill because. Her Instagram post, I think, perfectly captures the, the dominant narrative among the black leadership class. Black people's issues are the responsibility of someone else to fix. When you, when you read that post, when she gets to the point, and I quote this in a piece where she says, fix these issues and the violence will disappear. You, you can hear the passive voice. She never says who's responsible for fixing them, right? It's just, they just put it out in the ether. Well, somebody fix it. And, and to me, that is not the way that a, a, a community should, should operate. Um, we have to be responsible for the things that we are responsible for. And people like Jamel Hill, and even, you know, I, I made reference to Charlamagne Tha God on The Breakfast Club, they, they, they want the result, but they don't want to put in, you know, the work to get there. The Breakfast Club could, today could say, we are not platforming any artists who make murder music, who degrade and disrespect black women, and who push drug culture. If, that, if that's what you're promoting, you're not getting on our airways. They could say that. They have the juice to say that. They don't want to say that because that would take bread out of their mouths. And a lot of these folks are hypocrites. That's why they put the responsibility on white folk. They paint black people as damsels in distress looking for a white knight who just finished anti-racism training to ride in on their white steed to rescue us all while they paint themselves as, I'm, um, you know, I'm a big, strong alpha male. I'm, I'm a king. I'm a god. No, you're not. No, you're not. Kings don't beg other kings to come and save them. That's not the way the kingdom works. Kings don't abandon the, their children to the barbarians and watch afar as, as the queen and, and the prince and princess have to fend for themselves. That's not the way the kingdom works. Kings take responsibility for their kingdom and for their tribe. And the modern aristocracy Afristoc- is completely against that. And, and I think it was time to, to say that clearly, um, you know, as clearly as I could.
5: Thank you, D. Thank you, That was Jason. awesome. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Uh, make sure you get the big piece of the turkey leg. Uh, <laughs> go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. My God, did you just hear that? Does this not deserve a five star review on Apple? Does this not deserve 10,000 likes on YouTube? Could you leave me a comment? I watched the show with you guys last night, I was in the chat. Uh, I'll be there again tonight. All right, Uh, Uncle Jimmy is just around the corner with our approval rating on LeBron James.
0: It's my obligation hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom.
3: All right, welcome back.
5: Awesome show uh, today. I know Uncle Jimmy's going uh, to agree that, you know, my performance was absolutely flawless. Uncle Jimmy's here to uh, review my performance, as well as uh, help me give an approval rating on uh, LeBron James. He was our topic of the day. LeBron got in a scrap with the Detroit Piston, Isaiah Stewart. But uh, (laughs) before we talk about LeBron, I've been on fire for two straight days, Uncle Jimmy. I know that uh, you're about to just, I mean, I I don't know if you could have done any better than what I've done the past day, but I'm gonna let you
0: review my performance. I I, I will tell you, I, I have to admit, man, you are truly full of yourself. <laughs> why? Honestly. It, well, it, I mean, you, you do realize. Yeah. Now, do you feel? How, how you feeling, man? You okay? Yeah, I feel. Why? Why should Am I, not? I tripping or did I hear you take up for LeBron James earlier today? Yeah, yeah I
5: was forced. Hold on I now. Forced. You all right? I, I was forced to take up for LeBron. People were coming at He got a little scrap on the basketball court, man. He, they, well, let's don't blow so, this up.
0: So you, you gave point. LeBron some of that advice that I gave you in your dating life. What's that? Pick on somebody his own side. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Actually, Isaiah Stewart is LeBron size, but uh, you, you, yeah. or his own age. <laughs> <laughs> you Tillerone. like to pick, you Tillerone. like to pick
0: on them young too.
5: <laughs> yeah. Hey man, I just got a haircut. That's why I'm feeling. You know how you get that haircut and you feel thirty pounds
0: lighter. And, why did you say I just got a haircut like you just got back from church? Hey, man, I just got back from church. Don't say that. Hey man, I just got a haircut. I just got a hair.
5: And so, I'm. you know, you get a haircut, you feel 30 pounds lighter. You feel like you, you look like Samson in the mirror or whatever. I just feel good about myself. Look, I mean, look how good I look. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. When
0: have you not felt good about yourself? I mean, I've heard you complain about a lot of things, but low self-esteem has never <laughs> been one of them.
5: <laughs> Yesterday, I, I needed a haircut. I felt a little chubby. You know, I felt one or two pounds overweight yesterday. Uh, but now with this haircut, this extra hair off of me, I, I feel slim again.
0: You know what, man? I'm, I'm slowly but surely learning something about you. Uh, you said it last week and you said it again today. Uh, you said, I'm a slow learner. Slow thinker. Yeah. Slow thinker. Yeah, mm-hmm, I am. So that means you rode the little bus.
5: <laughs> no, nah, well, I never. Couldn't fit on the little bus. Couldn't fit on the short bus.
0: <laughs> anyway, not. man, look, man, your boy Steve Kim. The Korean co Steve Kim. Yeah. He came out here today, and he, I don't know if you man, Steve be throwing jabs at you. or he, he just be throwing knowledge. Because he came out here talking about Jack Johnson. Yeah. And he talked about, what, what was that he called it? The man act? Yes. Hey, man, you know what Jack Johnson got in trouble for taking a white woman across, across state, state lines. lines. <laughs> Boy, talk about times changing. How many times have you got charged for that? <laughs> and then he made the comment, he said, "What? who was he talking about? He said, he thought that he was a rabbing, starving Doberman going after a piece of meat. <laughs> that sound like you on Thursday, huh?
5: <laughs> and then uh, he, You know what, that just reminded me, uh-oh. and I've been meaning to say this. Uh, that grill ain't been sparked in now eight, nine straight days.
0: No. Six. Six. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> six days. That's six days too many, but go ahead. Then he threw the little line on you. You just completely missed it. Well, he missed it completely because he tried to compare you to uh, uh, Vivica A. Fox and then tried to compare you to Jada Pinkett. He should have said it straight. They should have called you. You should have told it straight. You you, you king him Tifa. <laughs> That's who the hell you should be. equalizer. I'm King MT for the King equalizer. MT for you know, <laughs> see, I mean, if he gonna go set it off, <laughs> yeah, King MT for I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 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 then, then, we got our guy Rashad McCamps That was one of you know what you know what you know what I, I I was
5: gonna say this off the air, but I'm gonna say it on air. Oh Lord, no, it's a good thing. Rashad stepped up today, and you know why. You
0: didn't want to end up like somebody else? Royce White. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knows how you do people that don't step up.
5: Royce White put that pressure on him. He stepped up. I don't
0: I, I, I don't agree with you, man. <laughs> hey man, you know what? I hey, was man. gonna say that off air that don't, hey man, but you know what though? Really, cause because right. hey man, protection man. It's, hey yeah. man, you know, I I call him Rashad Rockabah Baby. You know, he from, from New Jack City, cause oh. that that's just what he do, man. <laughs> Honestly, man. And, and, and see, he he talks in a whole different way, Jason. This dude said that the eye in the sky don't lie.
5: Yeah, that's a that's a football term, by the way. Football coaches say that. All. Well,
0: what happened when you was around telling everybody about all the weight that you lost? <laughs> <laughs> then you got that new scale. It didn't lie, did it? <laughs> No, the scale definitely don't lie. I got two new scales. No, but I mean, seriously, man. I mean, because I was listening to Rashad and Rashad's about that life. You know, he talking about, hey, man, if I'm leaking, you know, man, I'm gonna have to go for that life. <laughs> Jason, if I'm leaking, bro, I need medical attention. <laughs> <laughs> That was TMI. That was TMI. You know, he's talking about, hey, man, I ain't giving up my car. <laughs> man, ain't that about a I got insurance. You can have this car. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? He about that life, man.
5: Yeah, yeah.
0: You, you know, you, you got to do something with him, man. Right? But, but, but then again, we, we, we had our guy Delano, the smartest man in the house.
5: Yeah, Professor D was definitely on point today.
0: And, and, and I got a question, man. Why do you put Delano in positions? You sitting there talking to Delano and talking about, yeah, it'd be the same thing if a Pretty girl just uh, offered you a made a proposition to you. Delano's like, <laughs> <laughs> he looked over like, baby, I ain't got nothing to do with that. <laughs> Did I, I didn't say that to Delano. Yeah, you said something like that. No, I. You you made some analogy that a good looking woman, we can't help it, cause that's what we do. I said that to Rashad McCant about. a Getting aroused. That was- by, by, oh, well, I left that one out. But bottom line, you said it to Delano. Delano's was like, I ain't got nothing to do with that. <laughs> Tell me this. Did Delano invite you over for Christmas? I mean, for Thanks Thanksgiving? Didn't. No, he did not. Hey, man, because you, you know he's a good Christian, man. Yes. He, you, you know he already got his prayer ready for you. Oh, dear Lord, if you're able, please don't let Jason eat all this food on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and Lord, I know we got some more on the pot. This brother look like he'll eat it whether it's hot or not. <laughs> <laughs> so you could have
5: said that. This brother looks like he can eat a lot.
0: <laughs> Same thing.
5: <laughs> so you should have asked me beforehand. Anyway, are you ready for the approval? Let's make ready? it happen, Captain. Uh, LeBron James. Uh, he's been in a little tussle. He got suspended for a game. I, I actually had to go up because I think. I was as low as a 32 on LeBron overall approval rating. I actually marked him up. He's back playing. He's healthy again. So job performance, I had to raise up to a 15. I think I was at a 12 previously.
0: Uh, I give him a 12. Uh, He's tried everything he can to impress you. You know, you already said, man, he wasn't about that life. You made him wear the hoodie. You made him step up. Now he's trying to show that he's about that life. A lot of this is your fault, and you won't accept it. Mm. Uh,
5: Character, I actually went up a couple points here on character. I think previously I had him at a two. I'm actually going up a five. Isaiah Stewart lost his mind. LeBron stayed calm, didn't escalate the thing. LeBron made the mistake. He instigated it. I get it, but I actually like for the most part, how LeBron handled this situation. So I've
0: moved his character up to a five. Um, this one right here, he's kind of getting out of character a little bit. He's starting to act like he's staying for something. Mm. So this is kind of not, this is anti-LeBron. I am only can only give him a 10 on this, man. Mm. He, he, he's come out of character. Yeah, he's the, broke, the, broke the, the character. he act like he got a set of kahunas. Mm.
5: All right. Uh, authenticity, I think I went up a little bit here, too, you know. 30, he acted like a grown man in this situation, Uh, 15 in
0: authenticity. I give him a zero. A zero. You know good and well he ain't about that life, man. I mean, let me ask you, if he about that, how come he didn't try that with Jimmy Butler? (laughs) How come he didn't try that with Jimmy Butler? I mean, really. I mean,
5: come on, man. That's what I liked about Rashad McCants' point, though. Basically, he's saying he wouldn't do it with Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler is an elite, he's an all-star He's trying to tell Isaiah Stewart, hey, man, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. You ain't
0: on this level. Don't come challenging me. Okay. And he said, look here, excuse me, old man. And then, you know, I mean, I understand. Hey, sometimes you got you to put that on them young kids, you know. All right. But, you know, hey, let, let's keep it real, man. The it factor? Yeah. Hey, I, I don't think he got it. To me, that, that, that was a little soft punch. That wasn't no real punch. Man, he done bloody the eye, bloody the lip. Hey, man, if you want to see a punch, you need to see how Kermit, Kermit Washington punched your boy. What's, what's his name? He damn near killed the guy. Okay, look. Rudy K- Tom Tomjohnovich. Okay. A LeBron got suspended for one day. You want to punch somebody, this is how you punch somebody. No. That's this, how you is, want- it, this is like the Segruder film. <laughs> he goes up and to the left.
1: <laughs> Pow.
0: And to the left. <laughs> <laughs> Now,
5: that's a punch. <laughs> that's the Pruder film. That,
0: Up that's pretty and to good. the left.
5: <laughs> you know, that's one of my favorite movies, JFK.
0: It's one of the most underrated movies ever. It's an awesome movie. That you might, I may watch that over the Thanksgiving holiday. Joe Pesci in the movie was phenomenal. Was, oh, here he was.
5: <laughs> Kevin Costner played a I, I love that movie. The, JFK, Scarface, and The Godfather are probably the three movies I've watched the most. JFK, Scarface, and The Godfather.
0: Yeah, probably the movies I've watched. I don't hear you talk about sleepers. You need to talk about sleepers one day.
5: I haven't seen, I don't know if I've seen You, need, you need to watch sleepers. Right, well I got LeBron's hit factor at 11. I, got, I think we both have him at a dumpster fire, but I almost have him out of the dumpster fire range at a 46.
0: Uh, you've got him deep. In the, hey man, yeah. I need everybody to get out of the way! Holiday time's coming up, and Jason's getting ready to make his exit from the building. (laughs) (laughs) I am so
5: excited about the holiday. I'm I'm going to Cincinnati. I'm going to be with family. We're going to play some cards. Y'all going to play bid whiz or y'all going to play spades? We're a bid whiz family. Okay, I was going to say, because... I'm anti...
0: I'm not big on spades. Spades is too easy. Bid whiz... Is, is is more my speed. So what happens to the person that's sitting in your family that they that, that they can talk a big spades game but they don't play they can't play bid? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they need to go sit down at the little kid table.
5: Yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. But yeah, we we, we, we play bid with. I think we're doing that on Friday. There you go. No trump.
0: Make it walk. When I'm at Boston. Ready. Oh, I can't. Choo, wait. choo. <sighs> Let's make it go, bro.
5: Uh, right, here tomorrow. Have you made up with her yet? No. I don't know what's going on, but I I'm, I'm done talking about tomorrow, actually. Because someone else from my past has creeped back up and has been texting me every night. Is she fond of peanut butter? <laughs> <laughs> Most beautiful woman I know. i got to be honest with you. Lord have mercy. But, uh, so I'm done talking about tomorrow. Don't don't bring up. I love tomorrow's song. I love tomorrow. I
0: love this song. But I'm distracted right now. By the way, you know, Corey looked up tomorrow. He was very disappointed. He was? Yes. Okay. Because he thought tomorrow was a sister. <laughs> no! <laughs> Did he really? Hey, she's not singing like that! <laughs> <laughs> You're so young. Yeah, she picked, though.
3: <laughs>
0: think it's government cheese, bro. Trust me. <laughs> All right. Surprise, you giving up so easy. <laughs> <laughs> What's one restraining order? Jeez. Hey, uh, we'll have
5: Royce White on for an extended uh, interview tomorrow. It's really good. I like that
0: dude, man. Yeah, that brother's good. That's, you got dude, Rashama that dude is wide. Kam- y- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rashad McCants on this You should have got him earlier. Made somebody else step that game up. <laughs> Stop it. All
5: right. We'll see you tomorrow.